So in the New Testament, um, it can get quite confusing because if you're reading through the New Testament, Mary was a common name, in case you hadn't figured that out. There was quite a few of them, and it's easy to kind of get all, all tied up and crisscrossed and figure out who, you, which Mary is who and who did what. Um, but every time you read the name Mary, it's not talking about the same woman. It's not always talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, and same with John. You read through John, there's lots of Johns. Or if you read through the New Testament, James. Um, so kind of like here, we have two Lisas now. And, you know, you have to specify um, Lisa M or Lisa N. And then that really doesn't even help because they sound alike. So, um, but in the New Testament, there were several Marys. And so tonight we're going to focus in on Mary of Bethany. And that's what we're calling her. Um, as we kind of unfold her story tonight, you're going to learn more about her and what she was known for. So I want to ask you a question. What all can one person do? How much can one person do? Maybe you've asked yourself that very same question. I know I ask myself that question a lot because I am a doer. If you know me at all, I'm a doer. And sometimes we get overwhelmed by our to-do list and all of the obstacles that we're facing. And we can start to wonder if our efforts um, to love and serve people are really even making much of a difference. Um, our questions lead to doubts. Doubts lead to despair. And soon we're paralyzed and unable to move forward, right? And so Mary of Bethany was an ordinary woman, just like you and I. She lived in a world filled with problems, and there was a lot of needs all around her. But as we hear her story, we discover that she was not content to simply sit back. And that was kind of the theme of the prayer meeting tonight. Not being content to just sit still and do nothing for the Lord. Her attitude was simple and pure. I will do what I can. Her default response to the needs of others was a question. What can I do? How can I help? How can I contribute? When we read of Mary, that's what we hear coming from her is what can I do? How can I help? And uh, if you were able to get one of the articles, I wrote a little bit about this family in the Ohio Apostolic News this month. And we're going to take a closer look at not just Mary tonight, but also her family. And that's going to show us a little bit of um, her backstory and kind of help us to understand a little bit more of her personality. Mary was honored by Jesus for her initiative and her devotion. After anointing his head with expensive perfume, several of those present were critical of Mary for wasting her resources on Jesus. They argued that her resources could have been put to a more appropriate use. They could have fed the poor. They could have helped the hungry. But Jesus rebuked them and blessed Mary. 
And in the words of Jesus, Mary did what she could, and she did it for him. Mary reminds us that we aren't called to solve the world's problems. Hunger, injustice, all of the problems that we see around us in our family and our friends, we're not called to solve all of the problems on our own. But we can do something. We don't have to sit idly by. We don't have to be, you know, asleep like the word said tonight. We can wake up and we can do something for the kingdom of God. And if we serve out of love and devotion, then our efforts will always be rewarded. He will always bless what you do for his kingdom. And you can do a lot of things in life and, you know, those things much of what we do is going to fade away. Much of it is not going to last. And a lot of what we do and we build up and we create for ourselves is not really going to matter. Like we talked about tonight when that Trump sounds and we're going to heaven, only the things that are eternal are truly going to matter. Right? And what is eternal? God is eternal and souls are eternal. Your soul is going to live on forever somewhere. Right? So we have to make sure that we're focused on the right things and that we're serving and loving um, Jesus in the way that we're called to do so. So Mary of Bethany understood who Jesus was. Somehow, she had gotten the message when many of the people around her in that time and in that culture had not gotten this message, but Jesus was the Messiah. He was God manifested in the flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He came to save the people from their sins. And Mary had gotten that revelation And she knew he was going to the cross for the sin of all humanity and for her. In this moment, she did alone what she could do. She gave to Jesus what she could, what she could give. She gave to him. So I want you to think about this thought as we're going through tonight's lesson. I want you to think about which needs are facing your church. When when you look around and you see a need in your church, and you, which of those things make you say, I wish I could do something to help? And I want you to think about your family and maybe your place of work, but just think about your life and the places that God has you, the places that he has put you each day. And think about the needs that are around you. And think about how those make you feel. Do you ever feel like, I just wish there was something I could do. I wish there was some way I could help. And so as we go through tonight's study, we are going to hear the story of a woman who felt that very same thing. Mary of Bethany was known for many things. For one, she had a sister named Martha who was a diligent worker, famous for her hospitality. There is even a story in the scriptures about a time when Mary was reprimanded by Martha for sitting at the feet of Jesus instead 
of helping with all the work. We got any Marthas in the house? You can be honest, my hands raise. <laughs> the doers, the workers, right? Okay, and then Mary, she didn't want to do all that. She didn't want to help in the kitchen and do all that needed to be done. She wanted to be right there at Jesus' feet. And Martha got a little upset with her. And if you're a doer and a worker, sometimes, you know, you can feel that way. Like, am I the only one doing anything around here? <laughs> Mary's brother Lazarus was also famous. And if you read this month's article, you heard that story, so we won't spend a lot of time there. But Jesus had raised him from the dead. And so I want us to just think about that for a second, okay? Imagine that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Everybody knows this. The Bible said that the word spread, right, of what had happened. And so I'm sure Mary could not even go down to the well to fill her water pot. And she probably couldn't even go to the marketplace. She probably could not be seen anywhere with somebody being saying, with, without somebody saying, hey, you're Lazarus's sister. Or, hey, I know your brother. He's famous. He was raised up from the dead. And I'm sure that she felt often that she was living in Martha and Lazarus's shadows. But Mary was more than just the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Mary was the one who sat at the feet of Jesus whenever he was around. She longed to be in his presence. She longed to hear his teaching. And this, again, I'm reminding you of culture, because remember, that's important when we read scripture, that we don't come to scripture with our own cultural mindset. But this was in a time and in a, in a place in the world where women were often kept from receiving an education. They were not given formal religious training. But Mary was a student. She was hungry to learn and receive from the words of Jesus. That's what she desired. Jesus often visited the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus when he traveled through Bethany. We know that he was a close friend of the family. So think about that. You know, if think about like a close friend to your family, somebody that when they come to town, they're going to stop at your house. They're going to hang out with you. They're going to stay in your home. That was the relationship that Jesus had built with this family. We don't know the whole backstory. We just know that they were very close and they were friends. But over time, Jesus became more than just a friend. Mary came to know and believe that he was more than a friend, more than a gifted teacher. He was the Messiah. She recognized who he was. And so in a profound act of worship, Mary took one of her most valuable and costly possessions, a jar of pure nard, and poured it over his head. In fact, this act of worship was so profound that Jesus himself linked Mary's gift with the telling of the gospel. Jesus told his followers that for all time and in all places, that the story of Mary would be told. Mary never took Jesus for granted. Whenever she had time and opportunity to be in his presence, she made listening to him her top priority. She loved Jesus and she was commended by him for her wholehearted love and devotion.
All right. So I want us to read a few scriptures here. We're going to start off with Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. And it says this, after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always and whensoever ye will, ye will, ye may do them good and me ye have not always. She has done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily, I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. We're also going to take a look at Matthew 26, and we're going to read verses 6 through 13. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told of, for a memorial of her. Notice the two different gospel writers, Mark and Matthew, writing of the same incident very similarly. They describe it in very similar terms, and they explain that this woman in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper came and poured this alabaster um, box of ointment out onto his head. Let's turn to John chapter 12, and we're going to look at another gospel account. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. 
Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. We'll stop there. So what we've just read here, another um, account in John of the same story. And scholars have a lot of debate over this because if you turn to Luke 7, and we're not going to read there tonight, but if you want to read it on your own at home, Luke chapter 7, there's another story that's very similar to this, but also very different in a lot of ways. These three stories that we just read are very closely related in details. And so Bible scholars believe that those three instances are all the story of Mary of Bethany in her father's house, Simon the leper. And um, they, they were the same account or you know, very similar, similarly described. And so when you read Luke 7, you find another story that's similar, but like I said, very different. And they don't believe that that is this Mary of Bethany. They think that there are two separate um, occasions where this kind of scenario happened, that a woman came and anointed Jesus. And so tonight, we're not here to debate the scripture and try to be Bible scholars, but I see the similarities in those three accounts that we just read. And in the last account in John, Mary is specifically talked about and Martha, her sister, and so we can be assured that this is Mary of Bethany, Martha and Lazarus's sister that anointed Jesus that day. And so from this, we see that here in this passage of scripture, we have a woman that was um, wanted to spend time with the Lord, right? She wanted to... Um, offer him what she could offer him. And there's a few key words that we're going to go through here shortly. And we're going to um, kind of break down her story and see what Mary uh, did for him. So sometimes when, the, when we see great need, we're overwhelmed and we start to wonder if our contribution will really make much of a difference. And sometimes I think that our own insecurities can lead us to feel that way. Like, it's just me. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have the talents that Martha has. I can't do all the things. I don't have the fame and the, the reputation of Lazarus. You know, I'm not known like he's known. So what can I really do and what can I really offer to Jesus? And so many times we just get overwhelmed and think that, you know, there's really nothing that I can contribute that would make a difference. But I want to lay out for you Mary's world here. And we've kind of described a few things already, so we won't spend a whole lot of time here. But in Mark chapter 14, um, verse 3, we are told this. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. There came a woman, and this is the story that we just read of how she came to Jesus and anointed him. Simon the leper is Mary and Martha and Lazarus's father. So when we read about this story, we have to ask ourselves, why 
was he called Simon the leper? I mean, you don't just go around calling people the leper for no reason. This leads us to believe that Simon, Mary and Martha and Lazarus's father, had once had leprosy. And if you know anything about that horrid disease, it is awful, it is fatal, it is horrible to live with. And in this day and this culture, you were ostracized, you were put out in a colony on your own because it was highly, highly contagious. You were considered unclean. You were cast out, go away, they're unclean, don't go near them. But somewhere along the way, Simon, her father, had met Jesus and had been healed completely of his leprosy. We know this because here he is in his house and he's, he's with people and he's, he shows up several times in scripture, Simon is mentioned. And so again, here we have a man that received an incredible miracle from Jesus. And so I guess that probably made him Instagram famous, right? So people knew about Simon and they knew of his story and they knew he was an outcast in society. And now he's been made whole. That's Simon, the leper. They had named him this poor guy, even though there's a sermon in that. Even though the Lord had healed him, they still called him the leper. Um, and then we have Lazarus that we know is Mary's brother. Well, need I say more? I mean, the man was dead for four days and Jesus shows up and says, Lazarus, come forth. And he does. I mean, you cannot get much more dramatic than that. That's a story, right? That's one that people were sitting around the dinner table talking about. Did you hear about Lazarus? He was dead and he stanketh, right? And they... Everyone knew about Lazarus. Everyone knew the story. And here's Mary with her father who had received from the Lord and had been healed and received a miracle with her brother who was dead and now isn't. I mean, how do you live up to this standard here, right? And then there's sis. And if you get to know Martha at all in the scripture, when you read about Martha, you read that she was a doer. She was a hard worker. She was always taking care of things and getting things done. And she had, oh, she had a job to do. She had work to do. She was a servant. She had a servant's heart. And none of that is bad. None of that in and of itself is a bad thing. These are the kind of people that get things done. They get the job done. These are the kind of people that you call on when you know, I need a job done. These are the kind of people the pastor calls and says, hey, we need some help at the church, right? We all know those kind of people that they're Marthas, they're doers, they're workers, and they can take on a task, they can take on a project, and they can whip it out like nobody's business. They can cook the meals, they can clean all the things, they can organize, they can do, 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 do. Sister Lynn Chapman, anybody? <laughs> and so this was Martha. And here you have this family of incredible people. 
that have reputations, that have fame, if you will, that have, are known for the, the miracles, are known for their faith in the Lord and what they've received. They're known for all the things that they can do, right? And I can just imagine that there sits little Mary saying, what do I have to contribute? I think that she probably asked herself that question maybe many of times. What can I do? I don't have the story. I don't have that testimony. I don't have all the talents. I don't have all the abilities. So what can I do for him? Because she loved him. And she wanted to serve him. And she wanted to contribute. But she just wasn't sure how. In Mark chapter 14 verse 8, it says this. She hath done what she could. What an incredible statement. She's done what she could. Jesus said, wait a second. Don't talk about her. Don't murmur against her. Because she has done what she could. It might not look like what Mary's do or what Martha's doing. It might not look like you know, what Lazarus and Simon, her father, have gone and done. She might not be spreading the good news like they are, but she has done what she could. That word right there, done, that tells us there is action, right? And that means that Mary took action. She did something for God. She didn't allow her insecurities. She didn't allow the situation that was going on around her where everyone had something to contribute but her. She didn't let that hold her back and cause her to sit still and do nothing. Mary took action. She did something. We are all called to action. We all have a purpose in God's kingdom. God does not save us to set us on a pew so we can look pretty. God saves us because he has a purpose. Every time I have ever prayed with somebody when they receive the Holy Ghost, I always make it a point. After they have been filled with his spirit, I say, that is incredible that God entrusted you with his spirit because his word tells us that you will receive power after you're filled with his spirit, that means that you are now empowered to go do something, to be a witness, to go win a soul, to serve his kingdom. He does not fill us with his spirit so we can sit and sit in a museum every Sunday. He fills us with his spirit so we have a purpose. He wants us to do something. The next word there in that verse we're going to break it down word by word here for a minute. What? She hath done what? The done part tells us that there was action. What? What is it? What can you do? Mary had to ask herself that question. What can I do? How can I contribute? What can I do? I can't do all the things that Martha does. 
I can't go and preach and, t and tell the story like Lazarus and, and my father. So what is it that I can do? And I imagine she was alone with her thoughts and she was asking herself these questions. What can I do? What is it? And I want you to think about it tonight. And if you want to, and you're taking notes, write down a piece of paper, whatever it is to get it in your spirit. What can you do? You, not the person sitting next to you, not the people that you see on Instagram, not the, the gal that you're following on Facebook, but what can you do? Not what can Sister B do, not what can the pastor do, but what can you do for God's kingdom? Because there I can look around this room and there are things tonight in each one of you that God has placed in you that he didn't give to me. Sister Sandy, I do not like numbers. I can't do it. I look around and I see different giftings and abilities that God has given to you for your purpose, for you to serve him. And I want you to think about that. What is the thing that I can do? What am I good at? What am I gifted at? How can God use me? And that's the kind of question that Mary was asking. The next word in that phrase in verse 8 is could. She did what she could. That's an important word. Because it tells us this. She didn't do all of the things. She didn't try to do what Sister Sally next to her was doing. She did what she could. And that's what God expects from us. We make it too hard. We complicate it sometimes. Because God doesn't want us to do everything in his kingdom. That's why he created the body with many different parts. Women are so guilty of this because we look at somebody else's life and we look at their highlight reel and we look at what they're doing on social media and we see what they're doing on Sunday and we think, oh, well, I can't do that. I guess I just don't have anything to offer the Lord. Women are bad at comparison. Let's just be real. And we can't do that. The word tells us not to compare ourselves to one another because he made you as an individual to do what you can do. And what you can do is not what I can do. And what I can do is not what Lisa M can do. And what Lisa M can do is not what Lisa N can do. And this is what God expects of us. That's it. It's that simple. He expects you to do what you can. Nothing more, nothing less. And oh, how we can complicate that. I think so often as women, we get wrapped up in thinking that we have to do everything. I know I do. Or we get wrapped up in thinking that we have to do what they do. Or we have to keep up with this person or that person. But Mary of Bethany is an example of a woman who decided one day, I'm going to make a dent. That's all. I'm not going to do all the things because I can't. 
but I'm going to do what I can do and just make a dent in it to bring action into the moment, knowing that I can't fix it all. I can't do it all. I can't, you know, serve like them and I can't minister like them, but I have to give something. And if I can just give what I can, oh, if we all had that mindset, if we all could just give what we can, how incredible would the kingdom of God be? How powerful of a force would this church be if everyone purposed in their heart, I can do what I can do and I'm going to do it. It's kind of like small droplets of water. You know, eventually you, you think that your contribution might not be much. And you think that, well, you know, it's just a little gesture. It's just a little something. It's just a small way I can serve. And you think, well, that's not really church work. You know, I can do this or that, but that's not really kingdom work. That is a lie from the enemy telling you that you don't have a purpose in his kingdom. Because even if you think it's just the smallest little drop, it's the small drops of water over and over and over again that eventually fill a bucket. And we all have to be willing to just contribute even just that little bit that we can do that we think isn't much. And you may think it's not much, but you have no idea the impact that you can have in the kingdom of God. Just doing what you can do. Mary did just that. She did what she could. <clears throat> her actions were in response to her awareness of Jesus's love for her. Why did she do what she could? Because she loved him. Because she had a revelation of who he was. And she wanted to do something. When we love the Lord. And when we have been saved by him. When we know who he is. There's a natural desire in us to say. What can I do? And it's the enemy's work to come in. And steal away that desire. And lie to us and tell us. You can't do anything. Your work doesn't matter. Your contribution doesn't matter. That's a lie. Your work is important and it does matter. And the reason we do it, it's not for me. It's not for pastor. It's not for the person sitting next to you tonight. The reason we work in his kingdom is for him. Because of our love for him. We do it unto the Lord. We serve him with everything we have. So when we become aware of God's love for us, and when we fall in love with Jesus, serving him just naturally begins to happen. We don't have to do all the things. We don't have to do what our family does. We don't have to do what our friends do. But we need to ask ourselves tonight, what can I do? And if you are already serving and working in the church and, and working in the kingdom of God, keep working. 
Don't stop. Don't stop doing what you're doing. But if you find yourself tonight saying, I just really don't know how to serve. I just really don't know how I can contribute. Well, I said it tonight in prayer. The first thing that you can do is you can pray. Because that's something that every single one of us can do. And it makes all the difference. You know who works so hard around here? It's not me. It's not Pastor. It's not even Sister Lynn. Sister Brooks. She sits in her home and she prays. Faithfully. She tells me she does. She prays over this church. She prays over my family. She prays over me. She prays over many of you. You're doing the good work. Mary did what she could. She acted. Sometimes we stall because we can't do it all. Sometimes we get stuck on the things that we can't do when God is just wanting to know what can you do? What can you offer? And in Mary's case, it was this precious ointment that she had stored away that she could pour out on him. And she could pray and she could prepare his body for burial and she could worship him at his feet. And the Lord rebuked the crowds in these different instances we read tonight. He rebuked them on her behalf and he said, she's done all she can. And when Martha tried to say, where have you been? I have been so busy and you have not even been in there helping me. Jesus rebuked them again and said, she's done the good thing. She's done what was right. (laughs) Sometimes we stall because we can't do what everyone else is doing. But the Lord is speaking to us right now and he is saying, like prayer meeting tonight. We've all got work to do. Every one of us, we can pray. We can fast. Every one of us can be faithful to the house of God. You want to be valuable in your church? Be faithful. You want to be valuable in his kingdom? Show up. Heather, you're faithful. And it always means so much to me to look back and see your face, to see you on Wednesday nights. That's an encouragement to me. Heather shows up. That's just half the battle right there. Be a a friendly face to somebody. Smile and greet them at the door. Go greet a visitor. We can do that. We... Each and every one of you are called with a purpose to win a soul. And Misty, there are people that you know that I don't know. There are people in your world that I will never even meet unless we win them to the Lord. So each and every one of us are called to be soul winners. 
We're called to tell somebody about Jesus. We're called to go and compel them to come. We all have a purpose. And if you find yourself in a place that you stall and maybe you feel like I'm not doing enough or maybe you feel like I don't know what to do. And so you just say, I just won't do anything. I encourage you tonight to ask the Lord, what is the good thing that I can do? What is the thing that you have blessed me with that I can offer it back unto you? And for Mary, it was her most valuable treasure, her resources, that she had been blessed with this precious ointment. And it was costly and it was valuable, but it's what she had. And she gave it all to him. So I want us to just remember, as we're getting ready to close, that if I do what I can do, and you do what you can do, and together we do what we can do, like Mary, when we pour out our love on Jesus, we are literally putting feet on our faith. We're putting action behind our love for him. The body of Christ is many members. And each member has its purpose. And we can't look at someone and say, well, you're not important. No, because even that little fingernail on your finger is important. Every part of the body serves a purpose. And so many times we get a mindset that, you know, we're doing just the little things. Maybe you struggle with that thought of, you know, in the church, in the kingdom of God, it doesn't amount to much. Maybe you feel like that at home. Maybe you feel like, you know, in, with my family at home, it's just not amounting to much. I'm trying, but, you know, it's just... I'm struggling. Maybe it's in your community, on your job. You feel like it's just not amounting to much, that your purpose is just not that great. I want you to remember the drop in the bucket. When you're at home, every time you read a scripture, you're dropping in the bucket. Every time you turn on a worship song and sing with your kids or your grandkids, you're dropping in the bucket. Even those little everyday things that seem like they're not much, over time, they add up. Over time, they serve a purpose and they will impact your church and they will impact your family. They will impact your kids and your grandkids. They will make a difference and they are. They are making a difference. We just don't always see it and recognize it in the moment. So tonight, as we get ready to close, I want us to pray together and I want us to think on these thoughts. First of all, we should be thankful 
that we have something to offer the Lord. All of us have a blessing that we can give to him. And then I want us to pray that we will respond. That when God tugs on us and gives us opportunity or gives us a gifting, that we'll respond to it. And if we see a need, that we'll respond to that need. We'll fill that need. Or we'll go and take the need to the pastor and say, I see a need and I want to help. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. It is a privilege and an honor to be a part of his kingdom. It is a privilege to come to his house and to be connected to the body of Christ. And this is the one thing that the psalmist said that he asked of the Lord and that he seeks after, that he can dwell right here, that he can serve right here, that he can be a part of what God is doing right here. What a privilege we have. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for every woman in this place tonight and those listening on our podcast. I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to be a blessing, to use every gifting and every talent and ability that you've given us to be a blessing to your kingdom, to reach the lost, to reach souls, God, and to do, do it in ways that bring you honor and glory. It's because of our great love for you, God. We are indebted to you. It is our reasonable service to serve you with our whole heart, to live a holy life, to sacrifice for your kingdom, for you have done such great things for us, God. And I pray that you would give us, give each one of us eyes to see what we can do and how we can contribute. Give us courage to respond, Lord, that when we see a need and an opportunity to serve, that we will act on it. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to realize the great blessing that is found by being in your church, the great blessing that is found by serving in your house. God, put it in our hearts, put the desire deep within each and every one of us to serve you and give all that we can. In the name of Jesus, we pray tonight. Amen. I pray that this blessed you and um, hope that you'll come back next week. It's going to be a good one next week as well. Um, we are going to be, we're still in the New Testament. We have a few more lessons and we're going to be covering, I'm going to say it in the right order here. So let me check my notes. Yeah. Um, next week, we are going to cover um, Sis, the worker bee. We're going to be talking about Martha. And then the following week, we will be talking about the woman at the well, one of my favorites. And then final, the final week, we will be talking about the Syrophoenician woman, another good one. So 
be here these next few weeks and I know that you'll be ministered to.